Welcome back to the sermon podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I'm glad that you joined us this week. What if you were emotionally and spiritually set free from all the limitations that you, the world, and other people have placed upon you? All of those comments made to you over the years that had the intention of limiting you. What if all of those comments about being too much of one thing or not enough of another thing were finally exercised from your life? Can you imagine the feeling of liberation? Can you imagine what it would be like to finally see yourself fully as God sees you? This is what the psalmist paints for us in this beautiful, poetic image of creation in Psalm 139. The psalmist believes in the intimacy and imminent presence of God in the act of creation. His view of God speaks of gentle care and creation that are ultimately a great expression of God's love for us. This undercuts the notion that God is with us to keep an eye on us, to keep us in line. God's ongoing work of creation in our life is an extension of God's love in creation. Instead of God trying to keep us in line, God seeks to liberate us from the experiences in life that would shackle us to inauthentic living. Set free from the limitations we or others would place upon us, we are able to fully reflect and express the grace and love we have received. Hear these words of the psalmist. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately, 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 I know that word, woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. 
Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, I've been thinking about this all week long, but I think I can come before you today and say that the scripture that George, George just read for you is my favorite scripture. Okay, now, to be clear, it is JT's favorite scripture. Not Pastor JT, okay, but it is JT's favorite scripture. Now, Pastor JT has lots of favorite scriptures. You know, it, it, it kind of goes with the territory, the professional piece of it, and all of the, the texts that I've been able to, to teach and to preach and to wrestle with over the years. Pastor JT has a lot, but JT, the JT that was JT before the bishop laid hands on me to ordain me, that's my favorite scripture. Over the course of my life, I realized that this witness that the psalmist makes about about not just the fact that God creates, but how God creates and how that impacts me That witness, that grace is a piling that is sunk deeply into the grace of God. And that piling, you know, you think about piers and ocean waves. You know, the deeper your piling is down into something that's solid, into something that's bedrock, that pier can withstand a lot. And and this piling of grace and mercy and love and the intimate presence of God that was sunk so deeply in grace was a source of strength through most of my life. A source of strength to withstand currents, rising currents, rising tide, rising storms. These currents that, that were voices in my head and, and, and you know, a little just behind my ear that said that somehow you're less than, that you're not worthy. In the midst of all of that, and there were times where it was relentless, even in those moments, I had strength that I didn't, and it took me a long time to even realize why. And that was the great thing about grace is it was there before I needed it, before I named it, before I knew what it meant. It was a source of great strength. And it proved to me that God did not see me the way other people in my life did. That God had a different truth to tell me than the one that was being peddled out and spoon-fed to me. That I am fearfully, reverently, awe, not awfully, no, that doesn't work. I'm trying to think, awesomely, there we go, awesomely, thanks. That I was awesomely made by God. 
And that, that, that was a gift. That was a gift, and it proved to me in no uncertain terms that the grace of God is always sufficient for our need. That the grace of God always seeks to speak this truth about who we are as a beloved and created child of God. That God's view, God's opinion is the source of our strength. That God's opinion, how God created us and, and, and who God created us to be is our identity. That's the face that we can give to the world. And we can, we can give that face with, with confidence, with, with strength, with hope, and the recognition that what we reflect from what we've experienced by the grace of God can and does make a difference in the world. This psalm, oh my gosh. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. What a truly incredible thing it is in our life to be known by God. Now I know in certain traditions, the thought of being known by God freaks them out. Because after all, I mean, we're us right? We make mistakes. We're perfect. We don't always reflect the love of God in the ways that we can, in the ways that we're called to, in the ways that would be faithful. But God still knows us. And that God does not abandon us in those moments. God, in, in our worst moments, in our weakest moments, in our least reflective of God moments, God does not abandon us because God knows us from start to finish. Where can I go from your presence, God? It's like, yeah, I'm not very far, that's for certain. This God who knows us from beginning to end and who is with us this isn't God. God doesn't come in and out of our lives. God comes into our life to walk with us, period. Because God made us in such a loving, caring, intimate way. Because that's who God is. That's who God is, was, and will continue to be in our life. And what a beautiful, poetic image this is. To be knit together in our mother's womb. Fearfully and wonderfully made. This, as I've known it in, in, in my life, this, this truth, this promise, this this witness to God is something that has been a source of strength in my life. And I know that it, for others of you, just as I know your story, that it has been a source of strength for you as well. That you know this to be true in your life. 
Some are, are, are struggling with this. Some are learning and growing. Some may still be a little distrustful about a God who is that present because they were raised with an image of God that suggested that the only reason that God is, is so present with you is to enforce compliance, that God is there to judge, that God is there to punish, that God is there to keep you in line like that authoritarian parent that some of us had. But that image of God does not do justice to the psalmist's witness. God is with us that we might know the power and the promise of who we are as created and beloved children of God. And that bedrock, that piling sunk deeply into grace when we hold on to that truth, when we embrace that possibility, sometimes that's all we need. That's all we need to get through whatever a day throws at us, whatever life throws at us, whatever pain we experience. Now, everything that I've said to this point is probably not news to most of you. Maybe to some of you it is, but to most of you, probably not, because I've preached in, 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 uh, preached on these themes in, through using a lot of different scriptures in, in much the same way. But here's something that may, may be a shift for you. This thing that we know to be true for us, that we claim and hope for in our life, this same text is at work in places in the world where life is hard, where life is dangerous. This same work and grace of God is at work right now in Ukraine. This same work of grace is at work in the lives of people whose, whose homes and communities have been shattered by the unjust war that Putin is inflicting upon the people of Ukraine. Indiscriminate bombings of civilians. Those of our siblings, of the human community, that experience this every day, what we claim to be true for ourselves today is true for them. They are, the people of Ukraine, are fearfully and wonderfully made, created, woven together, knit together in their mother's wombs just like us. God does not abandon them either. This same thing can be said and is true in communities throughout this country, particularly throughout this country, that have been awash, literally awash, in prescription opioid medications. They were lied to about the addictive nature of it. And generationally, there are people who are addicted to the work of Purdue Pharmaceutical and others. 
and whose lives have been shattered by addiction and by suicide and by poverty and by separation, by disinvestment, by being ignored. The people of these communities are also fearfully and wonderfully made by the same God who fearfully and wonderfully made us. Communities that suffer violence and again, disinvestment, malnutrition. And I'm not talking about the developing world. I'm talking about within an hour's drive or less of where we are right now. Food deserts, as they say. Places where grocery stores don't go in and the only fresh vegetables, excuse me, let me retract that a little bit. The only vegetables that they get are vegetables that come out of a can and are processed because that's the only food that they have within walking distance, because of disinvestment and generational poverty. And it's in these communities also that, that these, our siblings, are also fearfully and wonderfully made. What is true for us is true for them. And we could go on. We could go on. But I think hopefully you get the point. What is true for us is true for them, which means which means that we move beyond just this comfortable, this overly spiritualized, comfortable place. It's easy to get into that space. I've had to break myself out of that on more than well, God has had to break me out of that on more than one occasion. Because this is also like when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. This is a piece of it. That if we're going to pray for God's reign, God's grace, God's purpose to be known in these communities, then we must stand with these communities because we hold something in common with them. You hear that? We hold something in common with them. Something in common that is more important than race, more important than ethnicity, more important than anything else. It sits beneath all of the other things, and even even things that we would choose. Not that the identity that we adopt isn't important. It is. But even what sits beyond our own identity is the recognition that God is a part of that identity. That we are who we are because of the God who has fearfully and wonderfully made us. And because of this commonality as beloved children of God that we hold with one another, we are called no longer to be spectators watching it happen from afar, weeping and gnashing teeth because we don't like what we see. We are called to be advocates in whatever ways that we can be, to advocate through prayer, to advocate through public policy and foreign policy, to, to, to advocate in the way that we vote, to advocate in the way that we shop, to advocate in all of the ways that we can live our lives and ask the question, do 
our choices? Does our life reflect this thing that anchors our sense of self and our relationship with God? I want to leave you with this question. Because this, this, this movement, this transition from this, this idea that can be so easily over-spiritualized into ministry and advocacy for other people is sometimes short-circuited by our own fears. It can be sometimes short-circuited by that, that voice that still sits in the very back of our mind that says that, well, no, there's nothing you can do. You're less than, you're powerless, you're too much of this or not enough of that. So I'm going to ask you the question this way, and we'll leave you to ponder it. If you were fully invested, completely, totally invested, sold out on this image that the psalmist gives us about who we are, and about the relationship that we have with God and one another as a result of this gift. If you were completely, completely and totally sold out for this, completely invested and committed to it, what would be different in your life? What obstacles to faith and reflecting this grace and advocacy for our siblings, our fellow human beings, what obstacles would be removed from your life if you were fully and completely invested in the truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope that it has been a source of inspiration and encouragement for your spiritual journey. If you're interested in more information about the church, we would invite you to come to our website at redlandsfirstchurch.org. We hope you will join us in person, online, or via this podcast each week as together we open our lives to the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might grow in faith and be strengthened in the ways that we reflect Christ's presence in the world. Mm -hmm.